Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partner for this month, Wahoo. Wahoo are a market leader in road cycling, but still fairly new to the mountain bike world. However, they are properly serious about getting involved. They're already supporting top athletes like Tiny Seagrave, Danny Hart, Wim Masters, Brendan Fairclough, Loic Bruni and plenty more. And I'm stoked to have them supporting the podcast this month. Wahoo was super helpful and supported my training for the EWS 100 in the Tweed Valley, which means I've been using Wahoo products since my training began back in November last year. And I've personally found them to be intuitive, robust and a really useful addition to my riding and training. Their GPS watch, the Element Rival, provides you with everything you need for tracking your training right there on your wrist. With customizable profiles for each activity, it's your perfect companion for riding, gym sessions, indoor training and much more. If you want a GPS computer to mount to your bike, then you've got the Element Bolt or Roam to choose from. I've been using the Bolt, which is the smaller of the two. It's got fully customizable data screens on a super easy to read display, and it connects to your phone for super simple setup. I also have a Wahoo Kicker Smart Trainer, which has been invaluable for targeted interval sessions, allowing me to really take my training up a notch. Pair the Kicker with Wahoo X, their one-stop shop training and virtual racing platforms, and you never know, you might even start to enjoy some indoor training. All of these pair with their awesome Wahoo Ticker heart rate strap, which is super comfortable to wear and gives you the most accurate heart rate data for all of your training. You can check out all that Wahoo have to offer over at wahoofitness.com. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. There are buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. If you want to support the show, then there's merch available and that's over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. And then issue two of our print project, Downtime EP, is now available and it's getting incredible feedback from those of you who've got a copy. It's packed full of great writing and amazing photography from Mountain Biking's Best and takes some of the topics and guests from the podcast and brings them into something beautiful to read and cherish. You can get your copy or an annual subscription over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at Downtime Podcast. All right, today I'm joined by the Canyon Collective team manager, Gabe Fox. We sat down back in June at the Tweed Valley EWS for a chat. We talk about Gabe's background and his route into team management, hear about some of Gabe's experiences of working alongside the legendary Stevie Smith, as well as his current work building the Canyon Collective. We cover topics like team environment, rider value and salaries, the discovery takeover and plenty more. So, without further ado, here's Gabe Fox. Gabe Fox, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good. We're in actually in sunny Scotland here, so it's, you know, a few good things happening. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed that that stays for sure. Let's start where we start a lot of these things and we'll take it right back. Like, just give us a bit of background on how mountain biking became part of your life like how did you discover the sport um well i'm, I'm from uh north vancouver in mm-hmm. bc and uh, an area called deep cove and uh, right where mount seymour and it's a a bit of a you know an an old school mountain bike area there's a, a lot of canadian history in in mountain bike in the area and um as a young kid i started working at uh, the cove bike shop um because of you know, the area was so, so much bike was happening there really. Right. And, um, just, just loved, you know, the terrain's great. The mountains are great and everything in the area. 
And it just, it, I just got hooked on it. That, that's, <laughs> I guess that's the simplest way of putting it, right? Yeah. When would that have been then? Are we talking mid 90s, late 90s? That would have been early 90s. Okay. I, I'm older than I think I am, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So you were in the Cove bike shop. You're, you're riding a lot alongside that, I guess. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're oh, definitely. So yeah, I, I like at a really, really young age, um, got into riding and I did a bunch of racing, uh, you know, raced a couple of world cups, failed miserably, realized <laughs> that, that, uh, I was, uh, not going to make it as a, as a, as a racer. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, then decided, uh, you know, coming from parents who were like kind of really focused on, academics and and working and things like that i realized that you know n- knowing when to let go and not like uh, just ride for fun was a better a better a better yeah. route to go was that when you say world cups was that cross country then or was it downhill downhill yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. just and when i say that i we're talking like like three you know and uh-huh. did a few norbers but like i was a like you know full out the back qualifying pack filler. Like I'm not a, I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't really consider myself a real racer, you know? Well, yeah, fair play, but not many people can say they've entered a world cup downhill. So it puts you in a fairly small club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're a modest man, gay. You're a modest no, no, man. no. I, I like, I, I, I really respect what these guys do. Right. So there's a big difference between participating and, 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 you know, what I did in, then and also uh-huh. being a good mountain bike racer. So yeah. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Let's put it that way. All right. Fair enough. And obviously these, these days and hours and weeks and months in bike shops, that must be a really good grounding for you to kind of and start to understand the industry and the sport. It must've been a very useful thing. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it was like, so working, like working at the Cove bike shop, they obviously, there were great, you know, they were one of the first bike shops in Canada. They, they did it. They were very large, shop and definitely learned a lot there. Um, you know, everyone, especially in the UK and Canada, they know they had their range of bikes, the Cove bikes. And so I was heavily involved in that side of things. And yeah, it was a, it, it was definitely like a foundation of, of learn. I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way, you know, for in, in many things. Right. What about the schooling side of things? You mentioned you had academic parents and you, you decided of your own volition that, uh, racing wasn't the career for you like what did you study and what were your thoughts back then on on where you kind of maybe wanted to head in life yeah I did I did do some 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 schooling outside of it but uh, it never really went into you know it never I didn't follow anything Uh let's put it that way I, I did some geography and I did a whole bunch of slew of other things but it kind of all you know was more I I I studied stuff that I was interested in yeah and it wasn't really um you know, in the end, the, the bikes and the business side of things, what kind of interested me. So that's kind of the, the path I took. Yeah. It got you fired up. Yeah. So at some point you decided to found a company called Sombrio. Yes, there was, uh, it, it was like, you know, it was myself, uh, Dave Watson, uh-huh. who's a old school mountain bike, uh, downhiller and Andrew Shandro. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, he's won multiple national champ Canadian downhiller. Um, you know, it was, it was Dave's original idea Mm -hmm. and he, it was a, you know, a clothing brand that was sort of a bit more free ride focused. That was, uh, in the sort of infancy days of free ride when the early days of rampage and new world disorder and all that sort of, uh, you know, 
all those sort of films. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was great. We, yeah, it was, we had a bunch of distributors and, uh, and uh, dealers throughout Canada. There was some great support, you know, young Thomas Vanderham, you know, back in the day riding for the brand, you know, nice. even, you know, Glenn O'Brien, you yeah, know, yeah. on a, yeah. On a rampage podium in the kit, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun back then. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So was that just three, three good friends that decided to do something together? Like how did, how did that idea come about? So it was definitely, um, it was definitely, um, Dave's idea. Uh-huh. Like it was, let's let, you know, we'll give him the the credit on that. And, uh, and I was sort of, you know, back working in the retail business and sort of was, was involved with a lot of shops around selling stuff and whatnot at that point as well. And, um, you know, uh, was, was, was a sales agent at that point. And yeah, so three of us got together, made the brand. Dave was on the design side of stuff. I was doing like a lot, most of the, all the sales of the brand. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it kind of went. And it was, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a yeah. lot of fun. And again, a lot, lot learned in that period, you know, the garment business is, uh, is, uh, is a, is a tough one. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Brutal for sure. Yeah, but as yeah. a whole, it, it was, it sold really well. It, it's, it filled in a niche that wasn't there at that point. You know, it was Fox and TLD and stuff who, who are still like the kingpin leaders these days with like mm-hmm. the best fabrics of this. This was just an alternative that didn't look so moto or race. And, um, I think that, that was kind of, at that point, it was what was we felt what was needed, really, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember having a pair of Sombrio gloves from way back then yeah. that I've kept for a long, long time. Actually, they were a super nice pair of gloves, lasted yeah. for ages. But yeah, a bit yeah. different. So it sort of stood out from the crowd, I think. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And you went from Sombrio and then back to Cove, right? But it kind of Cove bikes rather than working in the bike shop, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. So yeah, so, you know, started as a Grom, the bike shop at the, and then after that, I was, uh, I, I was, uh, working with the Sombrio stuff and also as a sales agent for Oakley, okay. sort of in British Columbia. Yeah. So doing some stuff there. And ironically, like this is what, that's what kind of, you know, the Oakley experience. Again, it was, a, it was a, the amount dealing with like the corporate structure and the organization, like, it was some of the best, you know, times you could have had. It was, uh-huh. it was amazing. It was, it's, it's such a cool brand. It's an amazing brand. But to be honest, that's when they were making like their big push into the prescription business and the footwear okay. and all of this. And it was all a lot of fun, that, that side of things. And it was, you know, a great job. But I, I missed working with the bike shops and the like-minded side of things there. Mm-hmm. So I... uh you know, speaking to the Cove guys, the crew again, that's when they wanted to make their push with their bike brand. And that's where I came in and I went to, and we, that's where we kind of launched it. Yeah. We, well, we did. That's where we made the official push into the distributors working with Silverfish in the UK mm-hmm. and various other distributors around the world. And that's where we added the downhill team in Canada, with Stevie Smith, Andrew Mitchell, Tyler Moreland, yeah, yeah. you know, like all yeah. those guys and really kind of, kind of went to, went that way so it was that was that was that was one of the one of another that was great because it was essentially building a bike brand from scratch right so you looked after like sales and marketing for them is that right so yes sales marketing team stuff it Mm -hmm. it, it was a lean operation i think there was like you know there was there was about four or five of us like it's it was not it was not a big show let's put it that way it was it was uh 
it was truly grass. It was gra- like grassroots garage style brand. It was, yeah. it, it was small. Yeah. And you, so your first kind of toe in the water with team management, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the first time you crossed paths with a, with a young at that point, Stevie Smith. Yes. Can you remember how you guys met? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was all through a guy by the name of Andrew Mitchell, mm-hmm. who was, um, the Canadian champion at that point. And they were both from Vancouver Island and it was at Sun Peaks national championships or Canada cup. And Andrew was telling me about this young kid that was so fast. And he was so amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go meet the kid. And <laughs> so we, so he's like, and it was whatever time it was one or two days before the race. And he's like, we'll go find him. This is, you know, cell phones. Not everyone had a cell phone at the stage. You're not texting a guy. You're uh-huh. not saying this. So we're walking around the small Sun Peaks village I say, oh, there he is. He's up there with all his buddies. And he's, you know, day before the race meets me. Oh, I get, I get introduced by Andrew to him and uh, Andrew Mitchell and he shotguns a beer and he decides, <laughs> and I'm looking at this probably 14 year old kid at this point, shotgunning a beer. And it was, it was quite impressive. how That was one of his, <laughs> his skills. Steve's skills was how quickly he could shotgun a beer. And he, uh, he told me he needed a bike because he'd like bent a frame or, or something like this. And he didn't really have a bike. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, and we had a, a, you know, a retired team bike at that stage. I'm like, okay, well, I'll lend you an old frame. Um, we'll just, we'll get it for you for the next, next race type thing. And uh, that's how I met him. It was pretty loose. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of a very loose relationship. Um, it was good. Yeah. And, Am I right in thinking he won the race on that borrowed yes. bike? Yes. Yeah. So that so I believe it. I can't remember where he raced it for the first time, if it was in Sun Peaks or if it was the the next weekend in Whistler. But the first time he I basically handed him a bike and he went and won the race on it. <laughs> and then from there it was like it was uh, yeah, it just we we worked together for a really, really long time. I was gonna say, yeah, you you were together through Cove, Evil, and then latterly Da Vinci. Yeah. Are there certain things you kind of took away personally from working with someone like Stevie, like that will always stick with you? I think the, the one of them was the, the hunger and the desire to win. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably like, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, you can look into someone's eyes and they have crazy eyes and you're like, that dude's gonna, he's gonna either rip your head off or he's gonna rip the track. Like, you know what I mean? Like that hunger and that anger to, to succeed. Yeah. You know, like the story's been told so many times. Let's like, you know, the Anto boys did that film that just came out and Incredible. it's, and it and it's all in there. And I, you know, we, you don't really want to retell the same story, sure. yeah. but it's like, it's, it's he, he, when you have that desire to win and, and he had it and he, and the whole, his upbringing that he, this was his choice. Like he either, he either raced his bike really fast and rode his bike really quickly and made a living or who knows what he would have been doing, digging holes or, or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, he would, he would have made, you know, he was a determined individual, so he would have made something happen, but uh, you know, he, he truly did love to ride his bike. Right. Yeah. So it's uh so it did make things, it, it, you know, he lived a good life. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I mean, Stevie won the overall out of an easy up, right? There was no fancy oh, yeah, exactly. Formula One style trucks or any of that stuff. It was, it was a pretty simple setup. Huh? Well, that, I, I, that might be the, 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 the cheapest world cup overall that has ever been won in, <laughs> in the, the budget of that team was probably lower than, than it's ever been done before. For real? 
I don't know. I don't know what all the budgets are out there, <laughs> but I can tell you that the, the, that budget this was, was we operated on for that team. It was mind boggling the, the results we pulled out of that. Yeah. Like, you know, in half field, three people on a World Cup podium: George in second, Stevie in first, and Nick Beer. I don't know. I don't know many teams. Like I, we need Martin Whiteley here to give pull the stat on that one. But for I sure. bet you, there's not many teams that have put three people on a on a. It, it's been done before. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. But I'm not sure out of an easy yet, maybe. Definitely no. Well, I think the syndicate might have done it out of an in, uh, out okay. of a out of a out of an easy up too. They they've always run it pretty pretty lean. They got a truck now too, though. So. Yeah, yeah, they've upgraded, huh? Yeah. Amazing. So, but uh, yeah, there's but there's pro- there's probably not not many. Yeah. That's so, a that's a Whiteley question for you next time you speak to him. Interesting. Well, that is lined up, so uh, oh, we perfect. can we can definitely find out. So how did your role progress over that time then? Because you moved from Cove onto Evil through to Da Vinci. Like how did your work with those brands sort of evolve through that period of time? So, so the Cove thing was great. Um, I did, I can't, I can't remember. I was there for a long time uh-huh. and um, released tons of great bikes, had a great team and it, nothing but positivity there. And then the, then spoke with Weagle, Dave Weagle yeah. and uh we, we found out about, he was launching the new suspension platform mm-hmm. and uh, we, we assembled a, a group of us to, uh, to, to relaunch the evil brand. Cause obviously he'd had evil before that was, was mostly the Imperial hardtail and uh-huh. whatever else he, he had at that point and connected to, to the chain guides, obviously. And um, so we relaunched that and did a, on that side of things, uh, at Evil, I was working with the dealing with the distributors uh-huh. and the international sales aspect of things there, uh, as well as some all involved in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we partnered with uh, MS, yeah, who run the the Monraker Monraker yeah. program now, and that that was a killer team, eh? With 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 that was a young Brooklyn Donald, a yeah. young Stevie Smith, um, you know. Who else was on? Matty Leoconin. Some serious talent, huh? That was that was a good team. That yeah. was, that was uh, a lot of fun. Those guys, all those young kids in that bus together, <laughs> getting bossed around by Lucas. <laughs> nice. It was good. Some fun times. Yeah. yeah. And then through the time at Evil on to Da Vinci, how did that opportunity kind of come around? Um, through a friend of mine, Steve Mitchell, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a rap uh, for product, uh, like a sales agent in BC, yeah. he just picked up the, the Da Vinci brand to sell in British Columbia. Okay. And that's, and, uh, you know, they were just launching a new range of mountain bikes. They'd been absent from mountain bikes forever and they licensed the split pivot technology from Dave Weagle. Mm-hmm. And so through that, I ended up speaking to the the guys at, uh, at Da Vinci, and they said they wanted to have a presence on the the mountain bike scene. I, I'm going to assume, like with Dave's history with Iron Horse and Evil, and that he sees the value of of that that side of it to to draw as a marketing driving force. And yeah. they wanted to have a team, and they wanted some help on the mountain bike side of things. And and then it kind of worked with all Canadian side of things. And yeah, I, it, it made sense to do it. It was the next step that needed to happen. So. Yeah. Nice. And it was, it was good. Yeah. And how, so how did your role work then? Like what was the kind of split between running the, the downhill race team versus like your work on the brand and the marketing and that side of things? Like 
Well, at the beginning of things with, with Da Vinci, there was a there was there was a there was a lot of work with on the brand side of things, uh-huh. and as it uh, you know you know reaching out to distributors, we we signed up a whole slew of distrib- distributors. Like Da Vinci has a, had a sales team, right? They had a you know sales manager. They had a all of this sort of stuff, but you know reaching out to these guys, lining up some some distributors to sell the product, yeah, and doing a doing a fair bit of maintenance and sales on the trade shows and in, you know, at the Taipei show and, and, and whatnot. So there, there was, I, I would say if you were going to break it down, it kind of worked because a lot of the sales aspect stuff fell in the tail end of the race season and in the off season when you're doing all your planning for the race mm-hmm. season side of, so it kind of, it kind of worked, right? Yeah. Like it kind of all, it all worked out. So it just kind of, it rounded out your year. I don't know if you, I know, I'm not sure you're going to put up like, it made your, it made your life really hectic and busy, but but it did work, um, and it worked well for a long time. And then it kind of grew to the stage where I'd kind of I stepped away from the sales side of things uh-huh. because they had great people to to do it and yeah. um, let them run with it. Yeah, you know? fair enough. Or they they wanted to do it too. Let's you know they wanted to they, they got all excited on it too. So it's all good. It's all yeah. good. Um, yeah. So I mean, Da Vinci ultimately made a decision to kind of step back from World Cup team racing. I think it was pretty late in the, in the kind of grand scheme of things as well. Right. Which left you. Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was, um, it it wasn't a decision I agreed with. Uh Definitely not. I think that it was, uh, I think it was a bit of a short sighted decision. I think it was, you know, I think there was a great legacy story that could have been told there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they, I think they, in a way they kind of dropped the ball on that. Right. Yeah. But you know, and there was some good talent in the team at that point as there well. Was, there was, there yeah, was, yeah. There was some great talent. There was also some really great talent lined up to to join. Uh-huh. You know, we won't uh, won't go too deep into that. Okay. But there, there would have been there were, if stuff had happened did that there, it would have been quite amazing. Interesting. The mm. World Cup winners. Yeah, yeah. In in this, there was two of them. Wow. That potentially, would have been really young at that age, and it was they were very interested in. I don't want to say joining what we'd created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it would have it, 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 the, the results would have probably exceeded what we'd already done. So it would have been it would have been mind blowing. But hey, yeah, yeah. But a bit, a bit of pill, I guess. Because oh, for definitely a little, definitely a bit of yeah. a bitter pill, especially especially given like what we'd created on such a in such a short period of mm-hmm. time, and uh, and I think I think it was almost like you know I I don't know if I I kind of. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I I don't really agree with the decision. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like I don't. I think that in in a moment like this, when something like this happens, you, you don't pull the pin on a program. Yeah, I think you use that as a, and also the the, the unfortunate thing was the being so late in the year as well. Yeah, which kind of leaves things. It's very hard for you, I guess, to find other roles at that point. And at that at that point, I I was all right. Okay. You know, like I I I you know, had enough going on to kind of stagger it, but it was more um, some of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us were, you know, we ran, we basically, at one point we realized the downhill team wasn't continuing. Then we were still working on the enduro team. Uh-huh. And then like literally like three weeks before the enduro season started, they're like, ah, oh, we're going to, we're going to do, do it this way. And we're like, ah, uh, really? Oh, man. So, Hey, whatever. Yeah. Rough time, rough time. So how did you, how did you end up finding the role in Canyon then? Cause that was your kind of next main move from a team management perspective, right? Yeah. So 
I think the the initial chat came from maybe well it did come from Nigel Reeve. Uh-huh. So it was was uh was obviously worked with us a lot at Da Vinci and he was he'd moved over to work with the the crew at yeah. at Canyon. Yeah. And I guess they were looking for a a person to to be the to be a team manager. They they were shuffling some personnel around at that point. And uh Nigel ended up connecting me with Fabian. And from there we kind of yeah, it just kind of happened. I I guess that would have been what would that been twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. And so th- and that happened just at the time of the first race of the year. Yeah, I was going to say you weren't at the first round, were you? And then you ended up coming to Fort William. Is exactly. That right? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. So the, a lot of the kind of because it was a brand new team that year yeah. or a new factory team, and a lot of I guess the sort of design of the team and the setup was already in place when you arrived. Is that? It changed a lot though. That okay. was the thing. So I think since that team first launched, we obviously Troy and, and, and Aaron are still there, uh-huh. but virtually and obviously Fabian's there and, and that group. But I think every single other staff has changed over. Okay. We, at that point, we, we had a blow up tent and a crafter. We've, you know, by the middle of that year, we'd, we'd, we'd moved on to our, you know, the truck we have yeah. now. So there was still a lot more work to do, but the initial, initial roster was signed up. And, you know, when, when you start a new team, it's a hell of a lot of work. Eh? I bet. Like it's, uh, we just went through it. We're doing the process of that right now with that, uh, Canyon Pirelli team. Uh-huh. And it's, that's going really well, but it's, you, you always forget how much work it <laughs> actually is. Um, you, but you get to that tipping point where it's like, you kind of, I don't want to say you go on cruise control, but things get easy. Yeah. But even, even like with, with the team, with the, when the Troy, the main team, the CF, the collective team started, yeah. it was, uh, even when I joined, there was so much work still to be done. It was crazy. Yeah. It was a pretty basic setup. I seem to remember from Fort William that year. Like it was, oh yeah, yeah like a, a fairly small blow up tent and a small van and. Exactly. Yeah. And then we had that, the monster truck van. It was, yeah, it was very, there was, you know, you're, it takes years to acquire uh-huh. all of the infrastructure, which you need. Like you, 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 you never know. You're always looking ways to better your setup and to make more, th- make things easier, more streamlined stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's, you know, you can, even if you had a massive amount of money, unless you're going to go buy a formula one setup, that's like a turnkey, you're always going to say, Oh, we need this now. Or, Oh, Hey, this doesn't really work. We need to change this. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, just to keep the flow and, keep the keep things going the right direction yeah and i mean even if you bought a formula one setup i guess mountain biking is pretty unique in its requirements like you're probably not going to have a shoe dryer on a formula one truck for example like no. there's a load of stuff that is very specific to our sport I guess. without a doubt pickaxes to dig the trenches so the water doesn't go through the fence i don't think you you know you're digging trenches in, in parking lots for those boys right no. yeah yeah fair enough but you know what i mean like it's yeah, all yeah. those little things that 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 make you and whether it's you're in a crafter or like a sprinter van, you you carry certain things that make your life easy. If you're in a big semi, you have certain things to, you know, you need this many ladders to set it up. If you if you need three and you only have two, it's a disaster. Uh-huh. Hey, of course, hey, we're not going to whine and complain and <laughs> we're not little babies about it. But it's, you know, you don't want to be working till two in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Work smart. Yeah, exactly. Not hard. Yeah, fair comment. So how would you describe your role at Canyon now then? What like what is it? What does it involve? So the, the we have a great group of, of a whole crew of us. And so 
myself and Fabian, um, we deal with everything. Ah, this is this is a tough one. <laughs> I don't really like getting into this 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 side of things too detailed on it because okay. it's kind of uh, it's a uh, it's a hard one. You know, I don't I don't really want to. It's a hard one. It's um, obviously like our our my role as a team manager kind of is to ensure the smooth the smooth operation and planning of the team okay. in, in, in very simple words, whether, you know, it's negotiating the contracts, taking care of the accommodations, taking care of the, the orders with the partners, contracts with the partners, mm-hmm. um, contracts with the athletes, all of that sort of stuff, just a framework. Yeah. Um, and a majority of that work happens in the off season. So when you're actually getting to the, the races, when you, the, Unavoidable curveballs happen where cancellations and in, in accommodations or or problems with vehicles or stuff like that happens. You have the time to actually fix those problems because uh-huh. those are common. Doesn't yeah. matter how dialed you are, there's going to be a problem later. Okay, and so yeah, so the, in a very simple way, that's that is. But that being said, is that's that's not all on me. Like there there's there's a ton of uh, people I work with in the group uh-huh. that I can, that I can lean on to, to help with, with, with various things. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you, you have to have a great team to work with mm-hmm. and it's um, whether you're dealing with a partner and you're, you're leaning on mechanics for input into orders when you're dealing with, you know, even, even logistics, some of the people on in your group of, of staff are, have either lived there or, are well-versed in the area. So you lean on those people for input there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's truly is a, a group input, but in simple, in a, a simple way of putting it, the off season is all about contracts, logistics, planning with partners, athletes, and then in seasons more about execution. Yeah. Is that, is that a vague enough or is that a shit answer? It's <laughs> all good. It's all good. We'll take that. Well, so something that maybe, maybe hit me up with like a specific question on that because, because yeah, okay. I don't really like, it's, it's hard for me. It's like, I'm so, I'm so versed in just like, this is what I, I just do it. Just I'm just a doer, yeah. but it's kind of, uh, yeah. So I think like, you, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to talk about oh, like what, what I do really. Right. Well, that's fair enough. So one thing that like strikes me certainly at the moment is that obviously there's a ton of supply chain disruption in the industry, like getting hold of what you need when you need it is not necessarily a straightforward task yet incredibly important for a race team. Like, is that, how has that impacted you? Like, does that something you have to deal with? Yes. Like we do get affected by it for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of our partners, um, in the teams, um, they, they obviously value sports marketing and value the teams. Mm-hmm. So they have managed to, I, I'm, supp- I'm supposing they're probably forecasting well in advance internally to place the POs to, to get the product. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, we don't get everything we need at the very start. Yeah. Um, if you were a new team now starting, you'd struggle a lot more than a team that's six or seven years old because you always have a little bit of residual product uh-huh. to to bail yourself out of of problems. You know, yeah. if not all of your wheels arrive or not all of your whatever item arrives, you probably got a, a couple leftovers to get like get out of jail free cards. Like yeah, yeah. you're not totally totally stranded. Yeah. And I guess you're on brand's list. Like if you're a new team, you've got to find your way into this list of stuff they need to get to people. Whereas 
you guys are established, you know what quantities you need. You've got that experience to say, right, we need X amount of tires, this, that, and that. And Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there, 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 there's definitely a system to it and you definitely, you, you have it. But that being said, like we're definitely still waiting for items. Uh-huh. Um, and, but, but the, all of our partners have done like a great job at, you know, at being, you know, candid and honest with us and saying, look, like we have to fulfill the aftermarket needs. We have to fulfill what your needs are. We have to balance it. It's not like they can't give us all the product and uh-huh. then not ship it to their distributors. They'd be getting, they'd get, <laughs> I'm sure they're getting yelled at enough on that side already. Sure, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't, we're not in trouble anywhere. We, we have, we're, we're really happy with all, all our relationships we have with our partners. So yeah. we, we haven't been, we haven't had an issue yet. Let's Good. See. That's a good place to be. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about team environment because it's something that seems to be really critical for athletes. It definitely seems to vary by team, but not every athlete kind of needs the same thing, same environment, same support around them. How do you go about ensuring that Canyon is kind of the right fit for your riders, your athletes? Does that make sense? I think it's, yeah, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. Um, it is, it's a tricky one um, because, you know, personalities, strong personalities, you know, driven personalities, that, that what make athletes so great. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely, it's, it's not always, it's not always straightforward. So like creating that and it, it, to be honest, that goes into staff too, yeah. right? It's like, when you have a lot of people in a, in a, in a group traveling together, everyone has like nuances, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's some people want to go to bed at seven or eight o'clock and some people want to get up at five in the morning and some people, you know, it, so it, it, it's a tricky one. Um, I think that you, you just need to sort of listen to what people want and need is yeah. what it comes down to. And as long as there's realistic expectations from everyone out there, usually you can deliver what's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you, how do you, how do you make that happen? It's just communication and trying to, to really, um, you know, to really, yeah, communication and really trying to, to listen to what people's needs are. And, and it's all about pre-planning too. Like if you actually can plan ahead, you can deliver on it, uh-huh. which again, what you're saying about the supply chain issues, like it's the same things with like crazy flights and crazy hotels and, and, you know, travel's not being easy. And like, even now, like, planes are super full. Yeah. You know, costs are going way up. So it's like, y- y- you've lost a bit of your flexibility now, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's, but um, it's also about the group of the people, right? Some people are just not compatible together. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, again, staff or riders, you can't, you know, you can't, some riders, you could, could never be teammates. Like it just wouldn't work. And even, and sometimes mechanics aren't compatible with each other. And, and it's, uh, it's just like, it's, it's a lot of, you know, personalities, conflicts and stuff. But, you know, we, right now we have a great group of guys there and girls that are involved and it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun right now. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, you mentioned kind of riders and how they get on. You're one of a few teams that have like multiple top riders within the same set up does that ever worry you that like if you get into a championship battle almost within the team or like that rivalry or or do you if you already picked riders that you feel comfortable that that's not going to cause any issues i think 
it's it's every you always know if a rider is that like that that type of personality that's going to to um to not not be compatible mm. you know I, I think like i really believe in a team that like the power in numbers like where the riders kind of work together to 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 achieve the goal and in, in a lot of cases like you've seen the 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 top riders that are that are that that up echelon when their teammates win they almost feel like like they have had a hand in that victory uh-huh. and i think you know you saw that with uh with uh I, there's a couple instances like you see that with like with like when Stevie won that race way back in the day and George Brannigan was second in half field and Nick was fifth in half field. I think he was fifth. Yeah. I think Stevie was probably like, that was his first world cup win, uh-huh. but I think he was almost more fired up that all three of them were on the podium <laughs> than the fact that he won the race. Yeah. Like, I think honestly that like, of course he was like, he, of course he was, he was stoked. He won. Yeah. 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 But I think that the fact that, and you saw in that footage, like, there was that line that went around the tree and Warner, when he did the announcing, he's like, Oh, he's offline. But it was, no, it was the line that those three guys actually determined was the, was the line. I think it was, I can't remember if it was Nick or George that came down first and Warner said, Oh, he's offline. He's offline. And then the the next guy of the three of them came down and went the same line. And by the, by the time, you know, Stevie had come down, he took the same line. Warner had figured out that that was the line. <laughs> that wasn't the, which is, which is great. And I think, yeah, you know, yeah. and then you can fast forward way past that. And the first race of this team was the super sketchy one in lore mm-hmm. in where, when where it was it rained. Wet. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, that was Troy's first race with the team. Yeah. And I wasn't part of it. So I got to be careful, but I, of course, of course, Troy would have not been happy that, that it rained, but it was beyond his control. But but I think Troy, in knowing his personality, he was genuinely happy that Mark was on the podium. Uh-huh. Like he wasn't going to sit there and stew with the fact that he wasn't there. He was, because they'd obviously trained together all week and it had happened. And I think if you get athletes that are willing to share the footage amongst their group and work together um, to get there. And I, I, I honestly think that, that, you know, with with Luca and Troy, Mark, Jacob, that whole crew, I honestly believe that that Luca, Troy, and, and Mark mm-hmm. and that group are going to work insanely well together. Nice. They're all like I think that like Luca, Luca's Luca is a is a is, is definitely a team player. Okay. Like he's going to fit right in with the group, and he he's going to uh, it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. It'd be good to see when Troy's back as well because we haven't seen the full team out just no. yet. So. Next Hopefully. weekend, next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, and have you done things kind of consciously to build that like team, almost family feel like it, I, I feel like I always see you guys sitting down to eat together in the pit, certainly at the downhill. Like, is that a conscious decision? Yeah. I think you do need to, you do need to operate as a group. Obviously riders need a bit of downtime to go for a, they, but they have tons of it. They can go for a spin by themselves. They can go for a hike by themselves. Mm-hmm. There's, 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 there is downtime, but you, I think you do need to, you do need to operate as a family. Otherwise you, you keep like subgroups and side groups and th- that creates division in the team. Uh-huh. Like I, I think you, you, you I, I really believe that, you know, it is a family, you know, you, we spend enough time together. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the thing you do, you do spend enough time together and you can't have issues within the group because it, it's, they're only going to grow. 
Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Like yeah, you, totally. We And you're living together, right? You're yeah. on the road living together for a big, big chunk of the year. So yeah. it's, yeah. it is a traveling family really. Yeah. And you've got to have, you know, thick skin. There's lots of jokes within the group and it's, you, you got to keep it light, light as well. You, you know, we, we are racing bikes, you know, that's what we have to remember. Yeah. These guys are racing bikes. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty good life for them, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there's clearly a lot of emotions involved over a world cup weekend, both positive and negative. Do you feel like in your role, you need to try and keep your own emotions out of things? Like how do you, how do you try and control yourself through a world cup? Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, it's easy for me. It's easy because it's, it's, it's for me, it's, it's a job, right? Uh And, you know, obviously we're there to do great at the racing, but we also want everyone to be, to, to leave the weekend uninjured. Right. So that, I guess that's a big one as well is that we want, you know, in a race when you look at, okay, what's the most important things of the weekend? It's like, okay, no one got hurt and we got great results. You know, it's the same amount of effort that the team and the staff and the riders put into something. Yeah. It's the same amount of effort if you're work-wise as if you're at the top or if you're in, if you're, if you're doing it, if the team's doing it right, if you're getting 20th place. Yeah. It's not like if we, we do less work all this weekend, you know, Mark and Troy and them got 20th place. We didn't, we didn't do any work this weekend. You Uh know, it's like we still do, we still have the systems in place and we still, we still put in the same effort. Right. Yeah. It's a lot more rewarding when they do well. Right. But for sure. And do you allow yourself to, to celebrate that when the, when the victories come? Like, do you feel then you can kind of let your own. It's, it's more rewarding. It's more rewarding. Like you definitely, when you leave after a race weekend and the, and everyone's put in the, the effort needed and the results of are showing it, Mm -hmm. it's definitely, everyone's more on a high. It's, it's even from the staff, the riders, everyone's, it's a sigh of relief almost that that you've, you know, you've, you've put it all into it. Everyone's put everything out there and it's, and it's worked, right? Yeah. Is that kind of, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is performance kind of incentivized? I, I assume it is with the races, but is it, is it incentivized with the team members? Like are there bonuses for performance in that respect? No, not so much in okay. that. It's like, it, it's, it's, uh, no, there's not like a, a bonus on that, but it, it is, it is, it's, it's a self reward. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, and it's like the group, the group as a, all the spirits are lifted and the, you're like, you know, it's a, it's a sense of pride, I guess, you know, definitely. Is that like, maybe that's the wrong word, but it's for sure. Sense of achievement of the group. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, at our downhill team, you know, there's, there's a, there's a chunk, there's, you know, four riders and there's a, a, a chunk of staff. And at the end, it's, you know, every single person in that group has had a, had a, a, had a finger in, in the success of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, definitely. So what are you kind of particularly proud of within the Canyon setups at the moment then? Are there things that you're, you know, very happy with like the way certain things are going or certain setup elements or like highlights for you? That's a tough one. Um, I think we we're pretty early in the season right now. Yes. And we, and, and let's be honest. And we've had a bit of a rough go so far. Luca has been a, had a made an insane transition 
to the new program. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, a great first race with us in Lords. Yeah. Like super, super happy. He was on a, on a cracker of last weekend or two weekends ago in, in, in Fort William. Unfortunately didn't work out, but like that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, Troy's coming back. So I'm excited to see now we'll get the, the whole group together. That mm-hmm. That's that. So, you know, this, this, this season has been like, there hasn't really, I think it's been a, a, a really great, I don't want to say surprise or we're really impressed with Luca's transition on that side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go back, um, how would you say like, you know, over the, if you were looking at over the years, um, you know, obviously Troy won a race last year. Yeah. You know, that that's that's what these guys we we really do it all for, right? Is 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 to win. Um I know I'm kind of stumbling on this question. I'm not gonna lie. Like I That's okay. Like, like uh, I guess are there things that you I mean, you must spend time in other pits, you look around what's going on. When you reflect on what you've achieved with Canyon and, and the way you've got everything set up there. Are there particular things that you're like, oh, I really like what we've done here? Like it might be something simple. Like, I don't know, you guys have a big sort of dining table within the pits. A lot of people don't do that. It's, there's, are there little things that you, you feel are really important to you and and the success of the team is where it's at now? I definitely think, I definitely think that how tight knit our group is, 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 is a key, is a key feature uh-huh. um, or a key part of it is, um, is, is the fact that we can, we all are, are like, we're all mates for sure. Yeah. But we're also, it, it's, it's just a great group. And I, I'm stumbling on this one, man. You got me on this one. It's like, it's, um, and I think, I think that we've assembled a, a great group of people mm-hmm. as well to, to hopefully get the best out of, all of the riders and yeah. or give them the tools, the riders give the tools to the riders to, to perform at their best and support them in any way they would ask. Yeah. Is that kind of, yeah, I guess, I guess the fact that you're stumbling for a specific answer shows that it's such a wide range of things all coming together. It's not like one or two things that maybe are a big influence. It's like lots of little things all in place together, make this whole thing work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it is. I think I, I, like, I don't really look at like, I don't, I don't really look at like something that I've done or the team's done as like this, but I think the fact that with Fabian, myself and everyone there, anything we can offer support wise to these guys yeah, to, to check the boxes, to, to end up, on the top is that that's, that's, that's what our goal is for sure. Um, and I think creating, yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm really struggling with that. Like, that's I don't, okay. I don't, I don't really, I don't really want to say like, Oh, we did this or we did that. It's like, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a truly, a it's truly a, like a, a complete team function yeah. of, of, and we've got to enjoy what we're doing, right? Like that's the thing, and it, it and if I think that's a big part of it as well. Every, sure. That everyone's happy, feels supported. It's a positive environment. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's the, the, the big part of it as well. Nice. Yeah. It always seems positive and happy yeah. and smiling faces whenever you walk past. Yeah. You've got so. to like joke and laugh and have a good time with it. Like yeah. you've got to have all of that, Yeah, you know, but in the end we got to remember we are there to win a race or at least compete for the win. For sure. So it's not about just about having fun, but it's, uh, yeah. It must be good to have Fabian involved as well, right? Like his drive to win still is insanely strong, huh? Oh, it's it's next level. The guy the again, with that what I just said earlier about how having that that when someone one of your teammates wins, that's truly like the way Fab feels. Mm-hmm. When 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 Troy or Luca or Mark or any of these guys come down with like an amazing result, like Fabian is through the roof, fired up. He's like, <laughs> he's like ripping dudes around. Like when Troy won that race, he was like giving him a hug and Troy couldn't even breathe. Like he was crushing his lungs. Like he, like that, that's the passion that Fab has. Like he, he spends so much time on the track with those guys doing the lines, getting into the fine details. And that actually, that's a perfect example of like, Fab puts everything in he possibly can into those dudes to win the race on the track. And I guess that's the same thing that I would do is like, I try to like make everything else in everything else with the team, you know, whether it be selecting the the sponsors and the partners, it's like, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not going to put a guy on a product that's, that's going to compromise them, them, their performance and doing it. Like we've made decisions as a team to like, Okay, we'll do it this way because this is a, a this is going to work better for us. Even though there potentially could be a better monetary option uh-huh. elsewhere, and it's like you know, yeah, okay, we need that aspect to function as a program. But and of course, but there there are decisions that are made for the for the greater good of the of the team. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, it does. So you you mentioned the monetary side of things, and um, I wanted to talk a little bit about rider value because it's something that that does get talked about a bit. And there's I probably I think understandably not a huge amount of transparency around that. Certainly not to, as a, at a fan level. I don't know what these guys earn. Um, and there's been discussion around whether it would be beneficial for the riders as a whole, if there was more transparency around salary. So maybe some of the like lower place riders find it easier to understand where they should sit, what they should be asking for. And, you know, there's, I think there's still a decent chunk of riders maybe that are not taking a salary. They're just getting their bikes and kit and travel and stuff paid. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it would be beneficial to the sport as a whole to like open up a bit more of a window onto salaries? So, so from my side, I'm in an interesting place here. Like, first and foremost, I think every rider should be paid what they deserve. Uh-huh. Like, that's the first thing. And then there's, on the, the other side, there's also a team has a budget and it has an X number of roster spots. So, you know, whether there's eight top teams out there or six top teams or 10, whatever the number is, the budget for those teams is, is this, whatever monetary number it is. Yeah. And they can basically support this many riders to achieve top results. Mm -hmm. And, and so everything kind of has to fit into those, those numbers. Yeah. If there's a team that, that, that would be a, a more of a secondary team, so to speak, 
or actually that's not even a fair statement, but it's like, it's not one of those, those, you know, the syndicate, I'm not going to avoid dragging our team into this thing, but like, like, you know, those top, top echelon Uh teams, they they might find that person more valuable to them. Okay. You know, does that make sense? So, so to answer your question, I don't know if, um, you know, I think all of those top guys, like the, the, you know, the top 10 riders, they all have a pretty good grasp of what their value is. I think okay. you're, with what you said, I think you're spot on. Uh-huh. I think that like the, the next sort of wave of, you know, call it 10 to 25th, mm-hmm. those are pretty cut and dry. Like, and a lot of those guys will go up and down as they results do. They're either an emerging, emerging rider, an up and comer yeah. that's going to keep their salary is going to keep gaining their, you know, they'll be bonused on their results. They're, they're incentivized uh-huh. as well. They're going to get paid. Um, you know, it's what it's, you know, and if you talk to enough people out there and you, and you speak to enough brands, you're going to basically, they're going to help you define what your value is. Okay. Right. And, and these days there's, there's the results that's a big part of it. Like we are racing bikes, like we are racing. And then there's also the fact about if you're an opinion leader, does that make sense? And, yeah, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I, that social media is a dangerous thing these days, like posting stuff on Instagram. I think people go down, we can go down that rabbit hole forever, but it's also like as an influenced person where, where, where you're a fan favorite, uh-huh. you know what I mean? You're, you can be a fan favorite without even, like without even getting into this, the social media nonsense side of things. Right. For sure. Um, you know, once you get to a certain point though, I guess it's, I, th- I believe that the riders at a lot of time have some, some proving to do. Uh-huh. Like you, you, you have to be able to, to, you have to, we have to, as teams and companies, we have to support the development of the sport. Yeah. That's first and foremost, but the development of the sport, does that mean providing, expertise, competencies, experience, support, mechanics, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that the most valuable part and to, to provide all those, that those competencies, coaching, training, yeah. uh, mentorship through guys like fab and like, and all these things to basically maybe make those guys that are, that are, um, call, I'm, I'm pulling a random, a 30th place guy or yeah, yeah. whatever number and make him a top 10 guy. Uh-huh. And then when he gets that top 10 guy, like, you know, in, in a lot of sports, you don't come in like I, so what's the, what's the most important thing that these young fringe guys need? What, what do they need? Yeah, do okay. they, do they need to make X number of like 20? Like, of course they need to live, right? Yeah. You know, the, the every, you know, they, they need to live. They need to, you know, they need to be able to eat, Yeah. but they also, you know, a, a rider getting 30th place is is a is in a development stage of their career. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Or 40th place they're in a development stage of their career. And I think as a team, this is why we we started that Canyon Pirelli team is to offer that avenue for these young riders who show great potential. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're not sitting in a parking lot, dropping bolts in the dirt, <laughs> working on their own bike. Hopefully this program will give those them the the, you know, the, the, the infrastructure to, to, to become one of those top riders. I think, and I think that's, I think that's honestly where our sport rather than, you know, we're, we're, we've, I've already gone off the topic about the money here, no, but, you're okay. but I think that, I think that, yeah, money's important. We all have to live. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that for a young rider, that, that, that support system 
is a big part of it. Um, you know, uh, we all hear the rumors about, you know, we all hear the rumors about these guys don't get paid enough. These guys, you know, all that stuff. It's like, I think that uh, most of those top guys and most of the guys, you know, call it in the top 15, top 20, most of those guys are on pretty good paychecks. Yeah. I don't think they've, like, I know those top guys are, are we comparing it to like other sports? Okay. We, we make less, those guys make less money, but then I think we need to look at the whole picture about like, what's the television deals? Yeah, yeah. What's like the revenue sharing where, where again, I'm not, this. we're getting way over my fate right now. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's an, it's an interesting topic. For like, sure. Well, well, what, what do you reckon? What do you reckon on that one? I, I don't know. I think I'd never really thought about it in the way you just put it, right? There's a difference between a small salary for a 30th, 40th place rider on one team versus another, right? Depending on what infrastructure is around them and, and what that team is doing to help them grow. So I guess it comes down to like the value that a team offers is maybe not necessarily, it's not just money, right? It's not all about salary. You could go and earn 50 grand a year over there, but you're probably not going to get what you need to become a top 10 person. But maybe you can go over there and get five grand a year, but you've got Fabian in your corner and he's going to get you, you know, to as far as you can go with your talent. So it's, we, I guess we're often guilty of looking at, numbers on paper and saying, well, that's good or bad, but it's not just that, right? Yeah, totally. And it's, and it's about other investments. Like with, with us as in on of all our programs, we make other investments in the riders, yeah. whether it be coaching. So instead of a rider, in some cases paying for their coach, however much they pay their coach at home, uh-huh. we have a, you know, we, those are co- some costs we save our riders. Yeah. And this is in, this is in on our side of things yeah. by providing the tools they need to hopefully to to progress in their career. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, don't get me wrong. Guys should be guys should be paid what they deserve, and they 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 definitely should. Like we, you know, um, it's it's yeah. They should be they should be paid fairly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question is 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 where where are we seeing truly seeing the discrepancy of who's not being paid correctly, like, and how far, and I guess, you know, it's, uh, I think, I think there's a big difference between a development rider yeah, and like sort of a, a, a career long 30th place guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone Is that's it? working their way up versus someone that's just kind of peaked and and it's just kind yeah, of step yeah. stayed at the same level because because if someone's working their way up and with these these competencies and these resources we're putting into them they're gonna they'll get to the stage where they're gonna get a, a they're gonna be they're gonna climb and they're gonna be one of the the guys of those the elite yeah. at one point and they're gonna you know be one of the top paid guys in the sport. Uh-huh. I guess it's a hard one and that like you know we it's I guess it's knowing you know we we do everyone we love to ride bikes we love being part of this it's it's why we're all here right for sure and. Yeah, it's while we're all here, but it's uh, it's also knowing it is a job, and you have to provide the value to the company as well. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah, is it's a tricky one. Huh? I might get flamed for this one a little bit, but <laughs> we'll we'll see. But it's uh, but I think I think that the, the biggest thing I think as an industry and as a team and as a brand is the development aspect, and yeah. I think that you know there's a bunch of the teams out there that are doing that right now, and I think that is a, a really positive positive step like you know i think you know specialized has got a few guys going on now we've got our pirelli program mm-hmm. and there's you know there's a handful 
you know, a handful of other people out there, you know, that have supported young riders for, for, for periods of time. Right. Yeah. It's good to see for sure. Let's talk a bit about the future of the sport. And you mentioned television deals and all that side of things. Let's talk a bit about the discovery takeover from next year. Still not much, certainly in the public domain on that. Hopefully we'll get a schedule soon for next year. What are your thoughts as a team manager? Like clearly there's a lot of potential with this discovery move. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the Red Bull guys did an amazing job. Um, I thought the broadcast was, was great. I think there's a lot of positive. They invested a ton into it. Um, you know, obviously we're not all privy to what the negotiations were and, and, and how it went and why there was a change to discovery or any of that. But I, I think that, you know, the, the, the discovery group, the, the, that whole group is, is, is massive, man. Yeah. It's a huge, like, like huge, 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 huge. Yeah. So if they are keen on, on doing it right, these are the people that are capable of, of, of doing it properly, you know, uh-huh. like, like, um, you know, obviously, yeah, they're, they're, they're really capable of it. Um, um, you know, Chris Ball, he's, he, let's remember, like he's, he came from the UCI. Like this, he, he really understands what it takes to, to do, to, to do, to do what, where we need to go. So yeah. Chris gets it right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, all of the sports are different, you know, whether it be enduro or, or whatever, I don't think you can really, I think we can all learn from each other. Does that make sense? But yeah. I also think that, um, I think that what works in enduro isn't going to work in downhill. Uh-huh. There are, there's completely different needs. And I think that the fact that Chris does understand that, you know, I don't think it's like you just hit play um, on it, yeah. but I, I think the long story short, I think, I think there there's definitely some positives um, with the reach and the guys and the size of this company. Um, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, we've, we've had lots of discussions with the group. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see where it all goes. For sure. And the potential to bring more outside money into the sport, I guess, which is, which is huge. It's a big thing that can go towards rider salaries and improving some of that, but also like the whole infrastructure around the sport. I mean, it'd be nice to get back to those days where we've got, you know, car sponsors and beer sponsors and all that sort of big brand outside money coming in. Right. Yeah. That's back in the old, old Norba days with the whole U S and stuff like that. I, I think that, that, that is the big thing we, the, where the big potential is for sure. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's, we're one of the very few sports where the, it's almost all industry financed. For sure. Yeah. It's pretty you know? unusual. huh? Yeah. It's, it's really unusual. Um, yeah. So I, I, I see a lot of positives. Um, you know, I honestly, honestly don't think we're going to see, you know, they're taking over, I believe in 23. Uh-huh. I don't think we're really going to see much change until 24. Okay. Like we're, we, there's barely any announcement that's happened now. We're in June. Yeah. The, you know, they're, they're, they're going to assemble a great, like Chris is a smart guy, man. He's going to assemble like a really, a really good team of people. Yeah. And it's, uh, and once they actually are able to actually, start working on it. Um, I, I, I think it's a great, a great thing, but Hey, let's not forget the Red Bull guys did do, they took it from a sport that had absolutely nothing, no presence, nothing at all. And they did a, a they did a bang up job for sure. And it's only gotten better year yeah. after year as well, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. I think it's, uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, you don't want to, yeah, hopefully it all ends up all right with the negotiation on all that, but it's, yeah you know, interesting times. Yeah. Exciting times. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it before we wrap up. 
I want to just touch on um, kind of talent. As a team manager, I guess you're someone that kind of keeps your eyes peeled and on the lookout for up and coming talent and, and riders. What would you say like you look for? Is there a certain kind of recipe or certain attributes that you look for in, in young riders? I'm just like maybe a bit of advice to, to the younger generation from your perspective. I think that, uh, you know, I always think that it's, it, what I look for is you need raw talent and it needs to be harnessed. Uh-huh. You need that like rawness of, of the ability to ride a bike. That's first and foremost. And almost you, I almost think you, if you have that raw talent, the rest can be taught. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we touched on it before with like the team providing some of those competencies to, to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that's like, first and foremost, if you have that raw talent and I think it's, it's at a young age, it's just to really enjoy riding your bike, spend time racing your bike, riding your bike, you know, at a young age, I don't think you should be like, you know, at, I don't know what age you want to call it, 13, 14, 12. Like you see all these kids are their number one goal in life is to get a sponsor. Yeah, Yeah. Like, it's like, dude, you're 14 years old. Go ride your bike. We were, we were all 14 at one stage, you know? And I think that like the social media era here is like, it's put this like fake charade that, mm. of, of, of a wall that it's all about being someone that you're not. Yeah. And I think that like the, the, the young kid, okay, that's cool if you're like 20 years old and you're trying to be the big dude in town. But I think that that really affects those young kids of that mm. 13 and 14 year old thing where they should be just like with their buddies doing dumb stuff in the parking lot at the bike park and, and enjoy, enjoying the weekend. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't think a 13 year old kid should be taking this too seriously. Yeah. Cause I, like, I think they should really be enjoying a bike and, and, and riding as much as possible. You know, that's, I think, and I think we're almost losing that. It's a, I don't think you need to be a pro at that age. Uh-huh. Let it come to you. Let it come to you. You know, and if I think if you put, if you're, if you're that passionate about the riding your bike and you're going to spend the time doing it and that's truly what you love to do, at some point you're going to know when you got to put in that extra F, what's going to become apparent. Like you got to start training and you got to start doing that. You know, it's, uh, what do you think of that? It's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it, people have seen, and not maybe not a necessity, but a, a big benefit from having a strong Instagram presence. Like there's a value or there's a perceived value in that from brands, or at least people perceive there's a perceived value from brands. So I think there's a lot of kids that are more interested in getting clips and kind of growing Instagram stuff than they are spending time actually riding sometimes, which is sad to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I guess there's a difference between, are, are you going to be a racer? Are you going to be a free rider? Or are you, are you just getting clips? But like, I, I, you know, and the world is changing. Let's uh-huh. like, again, we don't want to be like the, the crusty old dude over here <laughs> saying, Oh yeah, Instagram, you know, don't do that. Like, yeah, the world's changed for sure. Um, that's for sure. But it's like, I, I still think that like that, that generation of uh, like, is kind of like, like, they still got to enjoy riding their bike. Yeah. And like, he, like, like for, remember what they're trying to do. It, remember it's for them. Yeah. It's them. It's for them. It's the, they're the ones that want to ride their bike. You know what I mean? They, they should love it. They, yeah. they don't need to tell everyone about it every time, 
but you, you know, and there, you know, what you're saying for the, for the brands. Yeah. There is, there is value to the, to the, to the brands for the, for the clips. And I yeah. think it, you know, it does, I'm not saying don't, I don't, I'm not saying don't do Instagram, but I think, I think just don't forget what you're actually doing. Yeah. Do you first. Yeah. Like do actually, actually ride the bike. Cause you want to ride the bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky world. Eh? I'm kind yeah. of glad I grew up without social media to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it would have been good for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, you actually, I, on this topic, I actually think at this point right now, some of the, the athletes that are, call it like, you know, that are in their, I don't know, call it their prime or their, or their, they're in their battle to become mm -hmm. up there. I, I actually think that some of them have lost sight on the fact they're supposed to be a bike racer and it's all about like content yeah, yeah. for, for, for stuff. Yeah. Like, and I, I'm not saying it's any, and I, when I say that, it's none of my guys. I think uh -huh. all my guys are, have managed to, to do a good job of that. But I, I'm looking at like people that are, that are like removed. I'm like, so half the time, I think these guys are spending more time on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it shows, it actually shows in the results. Yeah. You know, they're doing a great job at their social media. <laughs> yeah. They're doing an amazing job at their social media, but it's like their results are, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it sure seems like it's affecting their results and even to even like their mental like health, like they're like, and I know we're not going to get into that, but it's like, kind of like they're like, they're just like, they've lost their mind over this social media side. Yeah. It's worrying really in a way. Yeah. Hopefully it will work itself out. I think social media will change in its, yeah in the way it works, hopefully, because it's currently not the best thing for people, I think, but. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's been very interesting chatting. Let's wrap up with the final four questions that we ask everyone. Uh -oh. They're pretty easy, I think, but uh, we'll see how we go. First one, if our listeners had 150 pounds to spend to improve their performance on a bike, that's about 240 Canadian dollars at the current exchange rate. What would you recommend they spend it on? I would say it would be a toss up between either some coaching or some fuel for your car to go shuttling if you that's if you want to go the downhill road yeah yeah Fair. We're, we're talking on downhill here yeah nice good answer second question if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16 what advice would you give him um age 16 um don't work so hard so early okay you got stuck in pretty early eh? yeah i think it would be yeah what do you feel you missed I don't think I missed anything. Okay. I don't think I missed anything. I just would have liked to have maybe been a kid a bit longer. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Like There's I think, plenty of time to be a grown up, right? Yeah. I think that's uh yeah, I think that would, that would be it. I think that would be it. Yeah. Good. I like that. Third one. If you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present, who would it be? And what would you want to learn? And this is normally like a rider based thing, but if, if you want something kind of external from the riding piece and that's cool too. I think uh, from from me being lucky to work with so many great riders um, and have had the privilege to ride with them and whatnot, it would have to be something on the the personal side of things. Yeah, like I, you know, I can, and it would be it'd be have to be something to to better myself, mm -hmm. and it would be as as a person and professionally yeah like um i i don't know i don't know exactly where i'd go with that yeah, but okay. it would be 
you know, I'm not going to say it's something simple, like to be more organized or something like that, but just something more to make you a better person. Yeah. Are there particular areas of your, yourself that you like want to work on? Like there are things where you're like, oh, there's a hit, hit. I feel like I've got a weak, maybe not weakness is maybe the wrong word, but do you think there are specific areas where you'd really like to improve? You mentioned organization, but when I mean, you're clearly pretty organized doing the job you do. I think it would be, well, the, like obviously your, your health aspect uh-huh. for sure. Yeah. And I think your, um, yeah, your, the health aspect of things and also like some great mentorship mm. as in, as in, in life and business. Like yeah. I think that, I think, you know, you can always learn from someone in on the business aspect of things, like yeah. working with great intelligent people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you want to be shown how to do things, but I think just, just in general to be a, a better person, I think. Yeah. Nice. I know that's a very vague answer. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a great, great question though. It's a tricky one. It actually makes you think a lot. Like when, when you ask that question, I actually really struggle to answer that because there's so many, I'm assuming it's the same for, for everyone that they would really want. I think the riders will just say Sam Hill because everyone wants to know how Sam goes around corners. That's like 80% of people have said Sam. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Over like 300 episodes. pretty much 80% of people just go Sam Hill, how he rides around a corner. But when you're not necessarily a racer, like I think the way you look at things is different. So it's cool that you, you focus more on that, like life and continuous improvement kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And and Sam's side, Sam, Sam loves to ride his bike. I think that, that. Yeah. Just hold on to the handlebars and just, just (laughs) let it roll. Isn't that how he does it? That's the one. I think he just, I think he just holds on and then, and just lets it roll. Let's the magic happen. All yeah. right. Final question. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Have you got like a ritual or something you try and always do? Spend some time outside. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Always try to do something outside. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Definitely make the most Especially of it. Especially with me with having to do so much stuff on a computer. You've, you've always got to, go outside yeah nice and do, like do something for yourself yeah yeah for sure good stuff man well it's been really interesting chatting an absolute pleasure to sit down and chat um if people want to follow like you guys and the team where's the best place for them to look i would say uh on the team it would be on instagram and i believe that's uh canyon collective yeah and yeah i'll put a link in the show notes so people can find that nice and easily but yeah thanks for your time man I thanks hope for having it. me it was great it was awesome good um, stuff yeah thanks again that was great cool i hope the rest of the season goes well and uh we'll see you around at some more races for sure thanks thanks again hopefully it's a good one nice one yeah it was cheers gabe ciao bye all right that's it for this episode with gabe i really hope you've enjoyed listening a massive thank you to wahoo for supporting this episode of the show if you want to get your training on track then wahoo have got you covered with reliable and robust technology like heart rate monitors bike computers trainers and your one-stop shop the element rival gps watch you can find out about all of that and get your hands on them over at wahoofitness.com here's a few other links that might be useful to you too downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash ep if you want to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project downtime ep As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. 
that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>